0: This is big man tyrone and you're about to watch the mtg cabal cast with your
1: hosts woad thirsty and raptor sub to us on all your podcast networks at mtg cabal cast and youtube hey guys welcome to the newest episode of the cabal cast we've got a pretty information intensive episode for you here today it's going to be we're covering some changes that are happening for supplies. So on like the actual retailer side, it's going to be reflected on us. It may get passed along to you guys. Just want you to at least be aware of it. We're also going to cover the paper changes that mm-hmm. Wizards made as of M20 and, I believe, Modern Horizons, actually.
0: Uh, yeah, the announcement that I have pulled up says as early as June 7th, which was last Friday. So
1: Yeah, so Modern, modern Horizons then. And the official London mulligan is here. We have a final decision on all formats, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get into nitty-gritty of what that could mean financially. So to start with, we'll cover the supply changes. So one of our earlier episodes, we covered an easy way for people to save money, Mm -hmm. which was literally just opening a wholesaler account for supplies because you can get stuff at an insane discount. We talked about supplies, stuff like that. So there was actually an email that was sent out by a couple of distributors and i've got one pulled up here uh it says we're going to be updating our pricing on june 17th 2019 affected items from bcw can be found by clicking here all ultra pro items will be affected by a five percent tariff surcharge okay so this is verbatim what ultra pro sent out to people At UltraPro, we strive to manage costs wherever possible and to minimize price increases. As you're aware, there have been several special tariffs imposed on goods and materials imported from China. Since September 2018, they've had an immediate and significant impact on our costs. Thus far, we've absorbed them in the interest of price consistency. However, to maintain the quality that our customers have come to rely on us for, we will implement a 5% trade tariff surcharge on all accessories shipped from any US warehouse effective june 17th 2019 Mm -hmm. so basically your ultra pro sleeves your top loaders penny bags anything like that all of a sudden there's a five percent surcharge on for retailers now this may not seem like a lot and generally it's really not going to be no the the effect though is going to be a little bit of a compounding thing So whereas it used to be, all right, well, we have to spend $65 on a case of five rows. Well, now we have a 5% increase on that. And whereas we may have been able to absorb that cost before, you may not necessarily see that being the case going forward. Uh, This affects their binders, uh, uh, eclipses, actually, which is probably the most relevant product to be affected, uh, which the markup on those was already I think about wholesale, they're a little over $5, so something to be mindful of because most retailers can probably afford to eat the 5% on that since mm-hmm. they're charging 9 to $10 a pack. But you may see some people start to put their prices up, yep. and this may be something that we start to see ripple out from here on out. It may start to affect board games. I mean, Ultra Pro is probably the biggest entity in the industry that's not Wizards of the Coast or like an actual game manufacturer. So seeing them hit by this because they do baseball cards, they do trading cards, they do everything. Mm -hmm. uh, It's pretty indicative that you may see something like that hit other areas of gaming and, you know, magic at large. So it's it's something that like I saw the email and I was like, hey, I want to make sure we cover this because we want to get that information out to you guys, because it's, you know, not not to bring politics or anything in, but it is a relevant financial uh, piece of information to people that may be looking into running stores or stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and five percent isn't a lot now, but that could accrue. And sometimes for some people, you don't shop for items like this all that often because you might buy in bulk or you might just buy infrequently, and a price hike. It's not just indicative of if you're buying from your LGS, just a hike there. This does ripple all the way down through to distro. Yeah.
1: Also uh, so something to keep in mind. Just wanted to get that out there, yep. and then. Uh, no. Let's get uh, it started.
0: You said that's all. That's just Ultra Pro. That's not BCW and their boxes, right?
1: Uh, so yeah, BCW uh, and I we tweeted out the link from our Twitter earlier. The stuff from BCW is like folios and their snap cases, okay. which. Unfortunately, they had the magnetic cases, which were really oh, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are now hit by that increase. So.
0: Okay, okay. I just wanted to check because I buy all my boxes from BCW.
1: Yeah. Either no, direct yeah. or through Amazon. Those are unaffected. Okay. Uh, comics. If you get their comic binders, those oh, are right. affected as well.
0: Interesting. Yep. But so our our next topic to go over uh, is the paper changes that Wizards is making. So I'm going to bring this up, and it's a very brief article, easy to find. And basically what Watsi said is just mea culpa. They have been uh, seemingly lowering the grade of the paper they've been using over the years in the English product. Resulting oh, really? In, yeah, right. Exult, resulting in things like Nexus of Fate, the, the curl on that. There is, as far as I know, no tournament legal KESS from the EDH product. And uh, prior to that, you can look at certain foils that came from various promotions. Figure of Destiny had a foil that was uh, extremely, extremely warped. And uh, you, it was almost strictly unplayable. And that was... Uh, was it Eventide? Or? Yeah, Eventide. Yeah. So you're talking like the early 2000s that, that this has been uh, going on. So they've been testing uh, a new paperweight. or. I think it's called the Gram. They're changing the Gram of the paper. And they've been testing it in Japan and various other markets, and now they're finally going to roll it out into the U.S. And they said you'll see it starting June 7th in War of the Spark, but that should mean that if it's not in Modern Horizons now with some of the supplemental cards, that they don't need a collate like the art cards, then we could see it in the second run of War of Modern Horizons, and we should definitely see it in Core 2020. Yeah. And uh, I actually haven't had the opportunity to handle many Japanese cards from the modern set, sorry, the master sets that they've uh, put this in. But I do know that people were talking about how in Modern Masters 2 moving forward, the cards were a little more waxy, they were a little more glossy, they just didn't have the same kind of feel that they did previously. And that's what you're going to see from these cards. So they're going to feel less like the magic cards you're used to and familiar with, and more like some of the bad proxies and fakes that you've seen, despite the fact that they should pass the same light and core tests. You're just looking at a product that is updated and new, quote-unquote. And this, we talked about this prior to the cast while we were doing our line tests. This is basically a a mea culpa by Watsi to the players so that they can play their cards, and kind of a, a backdoor gimme to judges. I have been lucky enough to not have to judge a large event where I needed to proxy Nexus of Fates for players, oh nor a legacy event where I needed to proxy Kess, but I do know neither of that was, was fun. Uh, watching Nexus players cast Basic Mountain at the Pro Tour, not a fun event. Watching judges have to shuffle Nexus players' decks at uh, that Mythic, what is it, Cleveland, that MC, yep. in the top eight, also not fun as a spectator. And so I, I like this. It's, it's to me, a good change. And it, it, it goes with the evolution of the product. There was a good write-up about this a couple months ago by a paper salesman that also plays Magic who talked about why you will never be able to recreate the stock that old Magic cards were yeah. printed on, and thus you'll never be able to accurately fake old cards because of it. And updating the weight and actually spending the money because this was a cost-cutting technique by them yeah. is something that's been long overdue, especially if they want to keep printing Biobox box promos in foil. Which, as you pointed out in the line test, Fluster Storm is not foil, so that might be the move going forward.
1: Yeah. We don't know. Because at this point, you know, we've got... Nexus is whatever. It's going to rotate soon, so it's, you don't yeah, have to worry months about that. But, three months. you know, Kess is obviously a tournament playable card. So we have a non-foil version suddenly printed in Modern Horizons, so you don't have to proxy it anymore, kids. Yeah.
0: And like I said, this is less uh, a finance driver than it is just a a move to kind of help the player base and give them cards that they can play with as opposed to cards that look nice but then turn into the letter C.
1: Basically, they're not always fake if you feel them like this, is what we're saying. Yeah. Uh. There might
0: be some ramification. I don't think there's any good number on how many foils that have come out of recent packs that are completely unplayable, but I would venture yeah. to guess and say that it's less than one percent of all foils. It might be worse if you live in a more humid climate. They might actually tend to warp a lot yeah. faster, a lot easier. But this is nothing super finance related. Just one of those things to be looked at and you know taken advantage of where possible. Yeah. But the big news for us this week was the acceptance of the London Mulligan. And, you know, I, for one, uh, enjoy this. I mean, look, there are problems with Legacy and Vintage already. And the card's name. Don't break it more. It's The Mulligan <laughs> didn't break it, they printed
1: Narset and card. <laughs> Yeah, that's true yeah if you
0: look at this the star city yeah, from has last way weekend more
1: to do with it than anything yeah else, you if
0: know. you weren't playing narset apparently in that event you were playing karn and that was the top 16 and legacy is very much in the same boat right now they reprinted leovold in in a in a card that doesn't get hit by fatal push lightning bolt swords to plowshare you know an edict effect you can't kill this thing yeah it's not the London Mulligan that's going to break those formats or save those formats. More importantly, this is a modern thing. And with yep. Modern Horizons coming out and Canister crushing the format with the Hogak deck, or Bridgevine, or uh, Ho-Vine, whatever you want to call it. the oh, vine nice. London Mulligan has a little more to do with that and finance drivers on the modern format than anything else moving forward. It is... An extremely powerful mulligan for older formats it allows fair decks to play a little more unfairly because they get to find the cards they need in games two or three or if they know what they're they're playing against because they also change the deck list rule at the same time uh yeah i know multiple variables right bad data science <laughs> they you, you can now kind of sculpt your hand for game one games one two and three and this is going to, probably in the short run, push combo and weird and dumb cards in modern. Uh, we had somebody in our Discord saying they were they jumped into a modern league and got turned one three or four times in that league yeah. by something dumb. Be it Allosaurus Rider or uh, Hogak, because this was over the weekend. And you're going to see a lot of really quick price changes. Hogak went because that deck just, again, it was another canister creation like Neoform, so it just yeah, took off ridiculous. because that guy has a track record now. Yeah. And then uh, people are believing that you can, with the Tefri bo- Tefri's Puzzle Box and Narset, lock out the game a lot faster, a lot easier with the London Mulligan than without, which gives Control this kind of backdoor lock and win. Yep. So uh, Puzzle Box, all gone. Narset still kicking. I think she's a three-dollar planeswalker right now.
1: Yeah, I would not expect that to stick for long because if we're about to get M20 and we have MH, there's only so much more sealed product that's going to be coming out.
0: Oh yeah, for Horizons or not? Her yeah, Spark? or yeah, yeah. for
1: War. Yeah, I I don't think. You know, it's it's got very long left at that point.
0: No, so what we're looking at now, because of this, are going to be your free and cheap cards that enable dumb things in modern. So you uh, Chancellor has already saw already saw it spike. Nice well pick. Before. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you'll, we should see Simian Spirit Guide go. Yep. We might see some of the suspend cards that add fast mana. I don't know if, tant- if that includes Tantalite or for will just be Lotus Bloom.
1: Yeah, I think I think Bloom's better just because Adnaz. That's what it wants, you know.
0: Exactly. You don't want that that delayed mocks. I think they finally made their terrible mocks, and yeah, yeah, you know, we have it. And then after that, you might see some of the prote- some of the early uh, protection cards. So, Force of Negation. Obviously, that's been going up over the past couple days. Again, it has something to do with Hogak. Because it's your only way to it's the only way to defend yourself against uh alter of dementia on turn one or turn two, really. And then you have after that surgical extraction, which is now mandatory. Because yeah. Because the Star City Envy top eight again was Phoenix, Dredge, and Karn.
1: It was brutal.
0: Yeah. Real uh, bad. Absolutely. And card wasn't just cast in Tron. Any deck that can make seven mana on turns uh, four through six played cards. So that was Amulet, that was Tron, that was uh, Valakut. All those decks. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of ripple here. You might see some cards from Storm Pickup, things like Monomorphos because they help you cheat a little bit, or Smooth. We... Uh, might see some weird combo engine cards like Pyromancer's Ascension go up as well because if you can get that online early by sculpting your hand that allows yeah. you to win the game uh, Danny Jessup comboed out with Noxious Revival on camera and Pyromancer's Ascension it required two counters on the Ascension cast Monomorphos with a second one on the stack Noxious Revival the first one back and then basically loop that through your deck, and it allows you to cast lethal a lethal amount of lightning bolts and fe- with Phoenix attacks on the back yep. on the back end, or just loop the lightning bolts back on top, whatever you need. So there's going to be some weird spiky stuff between now and Core 2020, and it's a good time to start looking at those zero alternative cost spells or just cheap uh, interactive and combo cards. But yeah. That's that's the way I'm looking at this right now. I don't think we're going to see an uptick in longer in long game cards like cryptic or path. Uh, No, Colagon's command. All these fair cards are just gonna kind of sit by the wayside while people figure out what to do once horizons is legal.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, we want to make fair decks good again. So we're going to make the London Mulligan happen because that's how that works. Okay,
0: they gave the fair decks force of negation. So now every fair deck has to play blue. Ah, all I wanted was Pernicious Deed. Why, Wizards? Why? I mean, if you want to cast Deed on two, I can still Force of Negation. Yeah, that's true. I mean, (laughs) it's this weird uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. You can't allow Mental Misstep in Modern or Legacy because every deck plays Mental Misstep, and when Goblins plays Mental Misstep, you have a problem in your format. Oh, yeah. And now you're forcing a lot of people to play Force of Negation or get comboed out. Yep. because of the, because of the power of the format and the London Mulligan rule to, to, yeah, to sculpt your first
1: few turns. It's it is a faster format than Legacy, and that's just a fact. So I, you know, yes, it it is it's the reality we deal with, and I think you know you mentioned the long game cards. I think it's the only one that may see some traction, if any, and I don't think they will. Similar to you, would be Path, and the only reason is because if you're on the play. You yep. can pass their Gristle brand or something, but other than that, Either like, Hogak,
0: whatever it is, you're, yeah.
1: you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, uh, we'll it see. Makes,
0: it makes sense. Uh, modern is a very glass cannon format, so it is very fast, but you do your, your yeah. fast thing once generally. The problem is when you have a fast deck with resiliency, and that's what Hogak and Alter of Dementia give Dredge. Uh, yep. zombies get carrion feeder with blood artist and the new blood artist uh yeah it's uh i can't remember his name now oh man not Yogmoth.
1: no it's the other one yeah the other whatever That's it's not kill me yeah whatever it's it, called it's not yeah. Dix,
0: not Yogmoth. I'll, I'll look it up before i kill myself but yeah it so zombies gets a little bit of love in that regard too and you just create this another it is Yogmoth. friend physician it is pay one life sack another oh, creature. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, Urza people are worried about. I don't think Urza has a place in this new modern format. He costs four. You could be dead on two.
1: Yeah, not not in modern. I think it's you know obviously insane and paradoxical in vintage. Oh yeah. But it's not. It's not modern.
0: No. But Legacy is a slower format, but more resilient overall. So yeah. your combo decks, aside from like Sneak and Show, which can go off on turn 1 generally, are turn 2 or 3 deck, and they can go off again and again and again, as long as you aren't playing Goblin Charbelcher oh, X4 yeah. with no tendrils in your deck. Like, So that's the difference between Modern and Legacy in terms of speed and resiliency. That, that's really what it is. And when you have both in Modern, that's when things get... Yeah, that's a no-moss. That's when they get rid of Birthing Pod and Splinter Twin yeah. and Blazing Shoal. Cards like that. Uh, we, oh, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Teffrey Time Raveler with the London Mulligan rule. I know there was a Nea Infect deck a couple weeks ago that was toying yep. around with it. Uh, Counter's Company can now splash blue for Teferi Time Raveler, which allows them to play an end-of-turn-style game where you can cast Finale of Devastation, or yeah. you could already cast Eldamri's Call. Anything, to just go get exactly the, the piece you need. And it, to me, that's a little more interesting than what'll happen with the combo engine pieces, and that creates a little more... Uh, interesting format because you have these toolbox decks that just kind of uh, move along but now both of those decks are kind of forced to play Graft Digger's Cage and or Rest in Peace and or Surgical Extraction and you go into this weird version of the format where now everybody has to have a 0 or 1 CMC answer to the graveyard at instant speed or uh, to to be like, no pun intended just Surgical with your removal and get the exact thing you need right then or just 187 the graveyard and have uh, the the turn zero lay line the the turn one cage turn 2 rip or uh, Yixta jailer
1: yeah like
0: it, it's it, there's gonna be counterplay to the graveyard or in the early turns and that could be a place you want to go if you want to look at what happens financially from the London mulligan is trying to figure out how to stop that yeah but, you know good luck on that one I, I think the play is to look at two combo pieces really. Just find anything that's underpriced. Uh, we yeah. found Altar of Dementia last week, so Canister went live on whatever time zone he was in. Uh, the Hogak tech that he was playing that night was spoiled early, so H- Hogak just disappeared that yep. night. It had been ticking up and up and up from like a dollar fifty, but then just disappeared overnight. Yeah. But like we were able to get in on Altar of Dementia the next morning. Nobody was buying it. It's in just uh, it a Tempest
1: it's the yeah. original
0: printing. Tempest then, for
1: original. Uh, conspiracy, conspiracy one, and then horizons and then modern yeah. horizons
0: and conspiracy and modern horizons and tempest all have the same art, but conspiracy and modern horizons have the same border in the little foil. Uh, yeah. UDAD. For like a buck and change on a card that who is conspiracy counterpart is already listing for that. It, it seemed like an e- easy win as this deck kind of takes over for at least the next month, I believe.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I, it, May very well be a flash in the pan, sure. It doesn't matter. It's still, you know, similar to when Bridgevine hit at the Pro Tour. Yep. Uh, you know, the Discord for the Cabal, I remember the day before the Pro Tour, I put up, hey guys, Bridgevine is the deck, and we went in on it because someone that was there told me, hey, everyone's on this weird, like, Bridgevine list. Yep. And for two three months you know Vengevines vines were by listing for 40 bucks and that's all it takes is just for this deck to last for a month or two and all of a sudden you know the next deck that does this is your opportunity to get your money back
0: yep i i doubt there will be an emergency banning in the next month on anything in this deck they're just going to let it ride because there's no large event coming up we just have a ban and restricted on july 8th i believe yeah is the official date yeah and that's, that's the core 2020, BNR, and then a couple of weeks later is, I believe, a st- another standard PT. Yep. So they might cut some things loose in Modern that they've been waiting on for a while since they have uh, over a month of data. Winner Twin. Uh, that's not what I meant by cut loose. I meant cut loose and cast out of the format. Yeah. They're n- Twins.
1: The political prisoner. That's what it is. It's and never it coming needs to back. to be released.
0: Look. <laughs> Look, if no. they give you Twin, they can give me Pod. Yeah. That's fine. It's a fair and balanced card in this meta game. I'll never be. I'll never play it. I'll. I'll be dead before I yeah. can cast it. Yeah. How fair is that? <laughs> yeah. So, the the London Mulligan's. Sorry, the the London Mulligan's going to be interesting. It's going to take a keen eye to really figure out how to capitalize. Yeah. And maximize on this, but if you're watching goldfish for the 5-0 moto lists that aren't just the Hodak decks to see what's fighting Hodak, you can cut, you can try and move in on there and then yeah. watch for additional combo because, like I said, I, to me, that that's where this is going to be, just something that does that works like Hodak. To me, this is all about combo and being faster or as fast as those, de- those decks while trying to either turtle up a little bit or, or put some speed bumps out there. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think we'll really see Tron, Scapeshift, Shift, or Amulet really compete in this format where you have to w- be worried about getting milled out. No, I don't think like, so either. They can they can put infinite power on the board on turn three. I know that's kind of like the God Draw scenario, but it's that's that's ridiculous. And it's, it
1: it happens at a rate similar to what Neoform was when it was like what seventeen percent turn one. Like it's still yeah. ridiculous. So you know have, it's, yeah. It, I, it happens enough that it's going to be relevant. The only
0: thing is with Neoform, 17% to cast Neoform is correct. What happens after that, though, is not a uh, 100% chance to win. Yeah. I have failed a, at least twice on turn one because the deck only runs two Autochron Worms, or however you pronounce
1: that. Yeah.
0: Uh, it only runs two of those, but then you have three other Allosaurus Riders and some number of Chancellors left, usually three. And... You can get there, but you're reliant on now four nourishing shoals. So if you don't really if your plan is to just go all in, sometimes you can lose because you can only draw fourteen cards that first turn. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not like your percentage chance yeah. increases a whole hell of a lot on turn two, but if you're dropping Gristle Brandon on turn one, usually you can attack with it on turn two for eight, so you can draw twenty-one cards that turn. Yeah. And that is where that percentage takes up. So that deck at least has kind of two split percentages: percent to cast a Neoform form successfully on turn one, and then ability to win on turn one. And those yeah. are two disparate numbers. This a Hogak deck, when it does its thing,
1: that Real num- consistent. yeah, that
0: turn one number is almost the is almost a guaranteed win because you basically just you toss your deck into your graveyard. Uh, trigger bridge nigh infinitely create so yeah. much power and then sack it all to altar of dementia like that's that's where that is yeah i was i've been thinking about it and this is outside the london mulligan just uh something to myself the hardened scales deck kind of seems like an okay play against it because you have a lot of little guys that you don't mind sacrificing and yeah. you can put a couple more outs into your deck to sacrifice guys, or maybe even in the Affinity deck you can do the same thing. Yeah. And then get their bridges because the bridge trigger checks twice: once when it goes on the stack, and again when it resolves. And if the bridges aren't there, so if you respond yeah. to either of the triggers and sacrifice or kill your own creature, you get you get the bridges, and then that's game. Yeah. Essentially, you slow them down enough where now they just have to turn Hogak and whatever motley crew they have sideways.
1: Yeah, and, that's and kind they're of... a lot slower with that.
0: Exactly, and that's why I think Surgical in the main four Bridge is the way to go. You can get Hogak with that with Surgical, and that's okay too, but they still yeah. have Bridges. They can still amass an army. That's why you've got to pick and choose your moments with Surgical against even uh, Legacy Dredge, if that's what yeah. you're bringing in. Like You can get the Icarids, and that's probably the best move, but you could also get Bridges, and depending on how their Dredges go, their first few flips, one of those two is the correct call yeah. right then and there. So for sure. I don't know. All right. As a player, I love them mo- all the London Mulligan rule as a speculator. Uh, I love it because I made my money on chancellors as somebody who wants to kind of like invest in things, quote unquote. It's just that this is not a place for me to do that. Yeah. Uh, if I
1: like this, this is a pump and dump change.
0: Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think I, there's anything I would want to move in on for the long term based on the London Mulligan solely. Uh, no. If I did, it might be like fair and balanced pieces. So uh, we've talked about Tithe Taker earlier yeah. on in the cast. I would look at cards that kind of squeeze the game and make people play a, a prolonged game of magic. So yeah. uh, Thalia, Tithe Taker, uh, the new mother of Ruins in Modern. Yeah. And maybe a handful of the uh, human box cards. Like you have Deputy of Detention uh, Judith is on the edge. Linda yeah. Paul, uh, yeah. A Lavinia, the new one, which I know is a, uh, a spec, but ha- did show up in the vintage top eight. So like people recognize yeah. this card's playable, right? These cards that kind of squeeze the game would be the place where I want to go. If I want to be long uh, I am in La- on Lavinia pretty deep, but not because of the London Mulligan, but because yeah. I, I believe in the strength of that card. Yeah. So you gotta, to me, you gotta figure out what you want to do with this rule and figure out how you want to maneuver. But I, I don't think it's a long term rule to a long term hold that you should make because of a, a the London Mulligan rule but yeah, doesn't seem right. I don't like why would you, you couldn't do it for the Vancouver rule. Maybe if you bought foil delvers and we're hoping. Maybe. Maybe. Although the London Mulligan rule with Delver isn't bad.
1: No. You get the no, I, hand sculpt think... a little bit. Yeah, Is it Delver is the new like hot spice in the Delver world and I think it gets much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Archmage Charm looked pretty good in the Is It Delver deck in Modern that was uh, being yeah. tested today by Todd Anderson and Ross Miriam. But they hand picked its matchup. So they handpicked Death Shadow.
1: Yeah, a good matchup yeah. already to see well, how much better it got. Well to okay. see
0: to basically hand Archmage's charm, uh, a shining moment. Yeah, that's why they picked that matchup, and that's what they talked about. Like, it's probably not good all over, but it's a modal spell. How good could it be, and how yeah. bad is it when it's not good? Kind of thing. Yeah. Check Fair. the floor. Check the ceiling. So yeah. Uh, so that's all I want to babble on about for the London Mulligan. I want to move on. It's to picks. Bad.
1: That's all I want to say. Oh, all right, whatever. Whatever. Picks. whatever.
0: <laughs> all right, so. My pick for this week was actually going to be my uh, pick for last week. i got to from my heart to And the reason I didn't pick it last week was because I hadn't seen enough movement on the card to actually make it worthwhile. I thought it was kind of flat. So, my pick is Mycosynth Gollum. And Mycosynth Gollum is, despite what you might think, not an EDH card. It has affinity for artifacts. It's a 4-5 four, for 11. But... Artifact creature spells you play have affinity for artifacts. Well, who plays this? Your kitchen table crowd. Yep. This is the invisible crowd. Now, the reason I didn't pick it was because, like I said, I thought it looked flat last week, and uh, it was. But what has happened over the past couple of weeks is that the market price has actually begun to exceed the average price. Yep. So that means people are selling this in TCG player for much lower than the majority of the sales that are being made. So every now and again, a low one pops up and it's just bought immediately. And it's keeping these numbers disparate. Eventually, it's going to uh, catch up. And so right now we see a market price of $17 with an average of $15. There's This card's going to be $20, $25. Uh, I'd actually say in the, probably in the next two years, so this is a long-term hold, 30 unless something dumb happens in either the... Next two sets to come up, twenty twenty yeah. or what? Uh, Arrowhead, I think is what you called it.
1: Yeah, Arrowhead yeah. is I think Marrow maybe the bike Vi- could be the Viking or plane
0: yeah. or the Commander set. So unless something bonkers happens there and EDH players buy into this, this is just going to be a super casual card for forever. And there's no good place to reprint this card aside from a Commander deck, and that does not really increase stock that much because this was a fifth dawn card. So yeah. that means we are already looking at a very narrow supply to begin with. Or shallow supply, I should say, not narrow. In Europe, it's only six pounds. So there's immediately an arbitrage opportunity if you want to spend yeah. the money on MKM and bring it over immediately. You can Maybe buy well. list this sucker and make a profit right now. Like This is just a, a card that makes sense. It's, it's It's been a casual favor forever. I was actually very impressed that it is not really on in any decks in, on EDHREC. It is in a, a big old 0% of decks. Okay. Rec- Jeez. So that tells you exactly what you need to know about this card. It is not an EDH card. It is a kitchen table card, and those guys will buy whatever they need, whenever they need it, within reason.
1: Fun fact: non-foil fifth on Mycosynth Golem buy list eleven dollars on Card Kingdom. Foil buy list eleven dollars and twenty cents.
0: So n- nobody's buying the foil. <laughs> They're buying. Yeah. Okay.
1: They're buying the non-foil, so uh-huh. there you go. Get in on the non-foil. And especially if Card Kingdom's buy list is that close to market and median, this is definitely a card that's going to hit a wave soon, I would think.
0: Yeah, and if the, the MTG stock price for the European average is correct, if it's based on MCM, that means you can almost uh, not quite double up because of the translation, but you can probably make about 40% just moving a bunch of them over to the U.S. Yep. Or sit on them, because like I said, this is going to be a longer-term hold. Yeah. I'd venture, I guess, in about two years. My call on Paradox Engine was uh, longer term. I expected five by the time it hit 50. It is on its way there now. That's like a two-year difference. Yeah. So we never know what happens. You just... Urza is a dumb card. People might start playing this in Urza. Who knows? Get in while you can. Yeah. I have one beat to crap copy. That's where I am on this card right now because it was really expensive a long time ago. It was like over 20 for a while. And there were none in my state. None. I bought the only one I could find in the collection. That's actually one of the reasons why I bought that collection because I wanted that card despite the condition.
1: What you got for uh, me? My pick is a little interesting. It's Shocklands. Specifically, the ones that I think are good right now are like Overgrown Tomb, Blood Crypt, your non-Blue Shocks. Mm-hmm. So, Watery Grave, uh, Hallowed Fountain's still low, but uh, and Breeding Pool, those are a little bit higher. But, Overgrown Tomb, for example, right now TCG low is like five, six bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, in four months, we are losing 10 check lands, the full cycle. So all of a sudden, our completely perfect mana base gets significantly worse because we have half as many lands, which means more decks are going to need more copies of these cards. And at that point, you'll see this become the mainstay for mana bases. You don't have Mm -hmm. check lands. You need to hit all your colors reliably. So unless we get a 10-land cycle between M20 and Arrowhead, this is it. Yep. This is your mana base. So right now they're still at one of the lowest points they have ever been and I think in a couple of months once that rotation happens they're going to go up significantly higher.
0: Oh yeah absolutely.
1: Uh, you know the, the blue ones again there's not as much opportunity but stuff like Blood Crypt, Overgrown Tomb, Stomping Ground, Sacred Foundry, the stuff that's modern playable as well. I think that's where your opportunity is. So you have a window of four months from now where they mm-hmm. can potentially go up. And worst case, they're shock lands. They're not going down. They'll always be your 5 to 10 to 15 to $20 bills in a trade. Yeah. You know, these these are in every EDH deck that can run them. They're in every modern deck that can run them. I mean, there's even a legacy deck that runs Watery Grave. So who knows right. I, uh, where we could see it at. I like I the, just,
0: the price graph on Overgrown Tomb because it's fairly indicative of what we can expect. Yeah. So if you pull up uh, Return to Rav Overgrown Tomb, you see that it spikes when it is released, it comes in hot at like eight, $17, 18 dollars, flattens out to 10 and then slowly tapers off as we find out we're getting Shocklands in the new set, and is now down to about $7. This card will rebound. Yeah. They're, they will all rebound. It happened last time. oh. Overgrown Tomb is a bad example of that rebound because it was highly played in the Abzan Reanimator deck. Yeah. A good example of a rebound would be something like Steam Vents. That was not really played in that format. No. But it is currently afloat because of Modern, so you can see it it hit that trough and then bubble back up because of Modern. And that's what, to your point, that's what we are going to see with these lands that are not highly played in Modern right now. That are just low
1: and slow. And it's funny because, you know, right out of the gate, Sultai with, you know, Jade Light Rangers and everything was the hot tech. Yep. So you saw Overgrown Tomb everywhere at that point. And then it just sort of fell off because we got a million Planeswalkers that follow the wizard's rule of do everything you can to make blue the best color. Yep. So. (laughs) 100%. Overgrown Tomb sort of fell off then.
0: Yeah. uh, For whatever reason, also, I think uh, people found out that Tybalt was pretty good against decks that gained life yeah so that happened real quick around the same time now I I think shocks sh- should have a floor when they are outside of standard and that should f- that floor should be about ten dollars always yeah when they're in standard five to seven is a fine floor for that card but we should yeah. always be able to expect cyclically that it will come back up when they rotate
1: yeah especially if you know, Wizards or Hasbro's numbers are accurate about how their player base has increased and everything because of these sets recently. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the players that play on Arena, they'll discover EDH, they'll discover Modern, and they'll need the lands for that. Yeah. And they may not have all of the lands they need. So it's it's this really interesting, like, these aren't reserved list, but the demand is always going to be there, and the market will never be able to meet it to the point where you're not able to make money on this card, I would think.
0: No, any time you can buy these as a buy list, you should be able to turn around fairly quickly for a profit. Even if you just sit on them for a little while and flip to another yeah. buy list, you should be able to. Yeah, I, I like the the non-essential shocks in, in Blood Crypt and Overgrown Tomb compared to the others. It, it's also interesting to think about, so it kind of puts you in a different mindset when you're looking at speccing on cards like this, because not a lot of people like to think cyclically and think, alright, if I buy now I can sell later guaranteed and then put these in a box to be opened like a time capsule. You know, yeah. on this date, I can start getting rid of these. You know, yeah, everybody's... twelve
1: months. You know, June eleventh, twenty twenty. I can pull these out and be like, all right, well, yeah, you know, I, I made my money. Great, exactly. Take them, buy list.
0: Yeah, and I, I, think it's it. So it, it's a good opportunity, and I, I think it's good to kind of train yourself to kind of think about that. Where it, this isn't a spec you just toss in a box and expect it to come up later. Like I'm still hoping with Sunbird's invocation, this is a card. Yeah, this is a card that you can buy in on and expect that. At rotation, they will drop. You can move in more, and then months later, maybe three to six, when modern is kind of coming back up, you can out them for a profit. And it, it's a good pick for multiple reasons. So I like it. Thanks. No problem. Uh, but with that, I think this is the end of the cast for this week before I have to stitch this all together. Yeah, so, sorry. Uh, no problem. So you can find me on Twitter at halt. I am Reptar. You are
1: at Thirsty Sizzler.
0: We are at NTG Cabalcast on Twitter, uh, Patreon, <clears throat> YouTube, and for now iTunes uh, until Rip. we figure out what to do there. Uh, yeah. Stitcher as well. We're there. Uh, we might be on Podbean soon. Might be SoundCloud. We've got to figure out what we're doing now that Apple has f- announced they're uh, sending iTunes out to Pasture share next to Internet Explorer
1: done done five ever yeah, yeah.
0: but uh we're and we are still running our uma box giveaway so mm-hmm. remember to uh, like subscribe and then sign up for our patreon even at uh, our lowest tier we'll get you an entry into this raffle and we will do that once we hit 100 sp- followers or subscribers whatever patrons that's the word patrons
1: that's the word yes Patrons.
0: so thanks for listening guys
1: yep. we we'll see you next thanks week. guys we'll catch you next week